Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi there, I'm Dave Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. Welcome to Don't Miss This. We are, this is a scripture study podcast. We both love the scriptures so, so much. (laughs) And uh, that's why we've been doing this for 7 million years. And we just are not getting tired of it. This year we're moving through the New Testament. We follow the Come Follow Me curriculum and point out things um, that you think, that we think you don't want to miss. That's where the name came from. Um, Lest you think we thought, don't miss this, like talking about (laughs) us. So if you're new, it's your first time, uh, welcome. We hope you uh, enjoy studying together. Today, John chapter 1. This is the first time we meet John, everyone. Yeah. So far this year. So let's start by introducing kind of who um, this John is, because John's so popular, such a popular name. It's like everyone wanted to be named John. And we actually meet two Johns in this chapter. Right. John... The this beloved. guy, John the Beloved, yeah, <laughs> <This guy>? yeah. <laughs> the writer who also wrote the epistles of John, and he also wrote uh, the book of Revelation at the very end of the New Testament, which we both have an unnatural affinity toward. We love that book so much. So true. Um, and uh, what else do you want to say? John the Beloved is what he's known by. He calls himself the one Jesus loves. That's my favorite part <laughs> about John. When we get into that section, we'll just really dive into that because I think it's so rad. Also, his request when Jesus left oh, was yeah. to stay on the earth until Jesus comes again. Yeah, so this is the disciple of, of John that you... Um, may just be meeting for the first time today. Um, if you have the tippins. Yeah, if you're doing the tippins with this, here's some fun things that you want to know from the tippin that goes in John. We love thinking about who the intended audience was that John was writing to. Uh, John was a fisherman. And so um, he kind of was just lived and breathed amongst just the normal people that were living in Jerusalem at the time. And he wrote to devoted and committed Christians Um, His gospel is unique. It has a lot of stories that are not found in any of the other gospels. So it's kind of fun to get into John because sometimes you discover something new you've never noticed before. Yeah, a really high percentage of his book is you can't find. Yeah, unique to him. It's the most unique book of the gospels. Um, He emphasizes Jesus as the son of God, noble, powerful, and divine. Um, on these tippins, we're also going to put for you some of our very most favorite stories that you find in each of these books. Um, so this one just lists a number of our favorite stories from the book of John. Yeah, tippins you can find at Deseret Book. They're just on these thin paper things and they stick into your scriptures to kind of give you a little bit more information. You may have done something like this in Sunday school or seminary growing up. And so that's where we kind of got the idea from for, for yeah. those. And I like that you say, I mean, that on the tippin, you know, you were saying that he introduces him as the son of God, like as noble, as, you know, divine, majestic. And you get that right at the very beginning of chapter one. You, I like to think of this chapter one as walking into Disneyland because it is, no one was trying to be subtle, you know, like everybody else starts, you know, their story of, you know, Christmas, there they were in the 
in the manger. Yes. And John opens up his book like just so big and so grand and like with fireworks. Like he <laughs> like he's not being subtle at all when he starts um, when he starts his gospel. And he begins it with this this phrase in the beginning. And that is a phrase that if you are a Bible reader would have like triggered your memory right away. That is a beginning of the Torah, beginning of Genesis. That's creation story. And he is rooting Jesus into that story with all of the, I mean, you just yeah. imagine if you painted the creation story, you would use every color that you could find. And, and, you know, and, you know, and everything about it is all this beauty and variety. And uh, if I were teaching, you know, just this beginning section, um, in fact, it, this is a young men, young women's week. And we were looking in that, um, what do you call that? The manual, manual. for, mm -hmm. for that. And they really focus on this beginning part. Um, I think it's important to know PS, if you're, um, a teacher of young men, young women, they'll give a suggestion from John chapter one for that week, but you could pick any of the parts in John chapter one that you think would be most exciting or most relevant, you know, or all of them, a little bit, kind of yeah. like we're doing 10 minutes for each or something for You'll your class. You'll notice right under the title, it will tell you the scripture that they're focusing on and that scripture will match up to the Come Follow Me scripture every week. So that makes it super helpful to lean into. They'll be leaning into light, but any of these would be a great place to go. Yeah. So if I were like kind of uh, teaching this, I, I would lean into that whole creation part and talk about just like how varied and how much beauty and variety there is in all of creation and kind of ask questions like, okay, what do you, which, which do you, are you a sunrise person or a sunset person? Uh, if you could go anywhere in the world, where would you go? Are you a mountains person or are you a beach I'm person? Beach, oh, sure. I was gonna say same. I was I'm just about to ask you. I'm sunset for sure too. Oh yeah, sunrise is too early for me. <laughs> There's something about it that feels like oh, it'd be so nice to capture the sunrise, but whenever yeah. people suggest it, I'm like, my spirit says no. Um, the sunset's so much better. Um, so which there's just or, or do you are you a a, a rose person or a What's your favorite flower? I can't oh believe you just asked I, me that. <laughs> well, I wasn't a thinking. Peony? I wasn't a thinking when, is I, my favorite when I said flower it. It mine's um, a dandelion, the wishing kind. Oh, you know? when it's dead already? Where yeah. the Yeah, where you can blow the yeah. wishes. People try to tell me it's a weed, and I think that they're a bad person. But um, <laughs> so there's just so, it's so interesting. Like, there's just like all of creation. You can pick so many things. Yeah, and that all of us are like. going to lean a different way. Right, or be drawn to. Which is kind of fun because that's how John is going to actually start out this chapter is he's going to introduce us to Jesus with three different ideas. And yeah. I kind of love the thought of that. And, and this thought that is like, which one are you the most drawn to? If you were to look at each of those words and maybe one of them you're more familiar with, and maybe there's one that you're like, well, I actually don't really know him as much as that. And as you're thinking about creation, it's kind of fun to think about, well, what would that actually look like? John's going to start out and he's going to say in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And that is our first introduction to Jesus. And it's so fun to be like, when you think about these names, he's going to tell us about the word. He's going to tell us about the light and he's going to tell us about the life. Maybe right after you go through all those ideas of sunrise, sunset, beach, mountains, um, 
snow or sunshine, you know, which one of these three words, which are you the most drawn to? If you were going to say, oh, of these three names of Christ, I would be most drawn to, um, you know, which one? Which one would you? I'm interested in. Oh, life. Okay, life. And I think light for me. Yeah. I think light is the one that draws me in. And John knew his audience really well. And they would have been drawn to the word, which is probably where he starts. They were um, just how they had been raised in that Jewish culture. Everything went back to Torah. It was the word. And God was the word or the law. Right, right. And uh, and he does two references that not only calls him the word, you know, which which you would say like, oh, scripture is made up of words. That's where you get it. But that word, Torah, the law, the first five books of the Old Testament. We'll talk about other um, ways that he is the word a little bit later yeah. on, but we're trying to get into the mind of the people that he was really talking to. And they would have been like, oh yeah, he is that. The 613 like commandments like this he is the word he is you know the um almost the bounds you know and yeah. everything and people would have been really comfortable with that with that and i think it's interesting because if you asked your class which of these three are you the most drawn to i'd be so interested to know how many people are like the word for sure for yeah, me. and if the they word. pick it, it's because they're like a writer or a reader, and that's yeah. why, yes. which is what we're going to maybe talk about later. But yeah. if you understood it in the context of, you know, the New Testament, I think nobody would pick it because, like, the idea of, like, this is the word, yeah. you know, is like, yeah, where you're law, just like, the, no, no, yeah. no, I don't, I don't want to be that. But it's interesting yeah. as we talk about it in context of creation, like, when you talk about, like, the word or the law or the structure, you would actually start to begin to talk about things like um, the tides, or you would talk about the seasons, or you would talk about like orbits and yes. rotations, gravity, things yes. that are just like the, yeah, the laws of, yeah, 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 that's conditions. a good word. Um, that, which I love that because we love knowing that there's gravity, right? Yeah. That, like that's yeah. just, we can rely on that. It's, we just know that's how things are going to work. Um, within that law, and that law is not going to change. Right, um, and that there's daytime and there's nighttime. Yeah. Like that there are like Yeah, and the sun's going to rise again yeah. every morning. You right. just know right. it's going to. That's the, that is the law. That's how it works, and there's something. That's so interesting that like on one end you're just like, I hate that word. But then yeah. if you were to say, I know, but don't you love knowing every yeah. morning? The sun's going to rise It's a new again. day. Yeah. You're just like, oh, Tulips actually are really gonna come up in, in the, spring. the spring. Right. That you just yeah, know. Yeah, you yeah, can, you yeah. can like bank on it because it's not going to alter. It's not going to change. And all of a sudden you start thinking about words that describe Jesus that are like, he's unchanging. You can depend yeah. on him and what he says he's going to do. Like he lives within a certain structure or a law, a system of law that all of a sudden he becomes safe, yeah, like, re reliable, dependable. You know, you're, you're just like, oh, I actually do like that part of Jesus. Right, right. But if that's the only thing that you knew about him, so John doesn't end with verse one and say, that's it. That's my whole message. But he introduces that first, probably because the one everyone's most drawn to and familiar with. But if that's all that you knew about him, um, first of all, you would be missing who he actually was. And 
you might kind of bristle against that a little bit if you were just like, this yeah, is so structured, you know, it's so right? conditional, it's so law oriented. Right, right. Yeah, then you would be like, well, I'm interested in that. I like the safety in that, but I don't know that I necessarily want a relationship with that. And so then he's like, oh, but that's, he's not just the word. Let me also introduce him to you as life. And, and I love this thought when he's like, all things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. Like everything he touched came to life. Yeah. It became something. It, it um, turned into something. And it wasn't all the same thing no, either. Right. And it's neat that when you think about life, you think about like, oh, it moves. It has action. It breathes. It's uh, almost spontaneous. Where this one was like... You know, steady, steady. Life is almost mm. like, oh, there's a million paths to choose and places to yes. go. And the way something starts yeah. out, like as a seed, isn't necessarily what it's going to end up looking like a tree. Right. And you like, there's like yes. and it, creativity and a, horse and, and a zebra. Like you have that. Um, I think really similar. I did on purpose. Oh, wait. <laughs> I did on purpose because I love that he's like, like you you're going to pick opposite. have this horse, but also like a zebra looks nothing like a horse, even though it almost seems like it came yeah, from the same yeah. pattern that like his creativity is not just opposites, but it's also in like things that we might consider similar. How many different species of roses are there? You know that yeah, he's like, yeah. oh, just doing it once is not enough. Let me try it like this. Oh, and what about like this? And should we make one that is, you know, that you're just like, it's like his creativity had no bounds or no limits. So on one hand where there was bounds on the, on the other side of that limitless, yeah. you know, yeah, which is so interesting. Like when he made the kangaroo and he says, and you will bounce. Yes. You know, like when he touched each thing, it almost like caused like a different, a new kind of yeah. life. And I love this idea of never ending. When yes. I think about him as life, I just want to think of like always more creation, always yeah. something Increasing new. Increasing and yeah, developing and, and creativity and all of those things that you're just like, oh, I actually love that. But then John's like, oh, wait, wait, wait. That's not all. Also, he's light like think of the darkest place you know um he's going to talk about he's going to be the light that shines in that darkness um like the darkness won't even be able to comprehend the light that will come out of it yeah when you go back to genesis 1 which john's kind of like taking your mind and and heart too there was that phrase where he says in the beginning he says the earth was without form and it was void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And there is just this like inky blackness, this chaos, this like nothing, you know. And then in response to it, God said, let there be light. And mm. there was light. And all of a sudden it was like comfortable. And it was yes. like, okay. And you love that light. Change. Yeah, you love that light is like guidance, navigation, it's warmth. Um, it gives you confidence in an otherwise really dark or... Um, void place. Uh, also, I love the thought of like provision that comes out of um, fire or light oh, or yeah, yeah, the yeah. ability to like um, sustain people. I love the thought of that that comes out of light. And I love that as you look at all of these, now you're like, okay, which one are you drawn to yeah, now yeah. of those three things? And then you start thinking, well, it depends on what my circumstances are. And it makes me want to think about what if you only knew one? What if you only knew him as the word? And then 
I would want to say to you, oh, but hold on. I need to show you roses. Yeah. You know, I need to show you this that you've never experienced. Or if you're in that dark place, how often do you want to say to someone, oh, okay, let me show you the Jesus I know in dark places. Let me show you the Jesus I know mm -hmm. in this situation that all of a sudden it's like John is like, let me show you all these different sides of Jesus and which is the one you wish you knew better. I loved when The Chosen came out and so many people would say to me, I'm seeing a side of Jesus I had never seen mm -hmm. before. And there's something about your first time being introduced to something. That yeah. I think is so remarkable, like to realize that you actually might be missing out on something. Yeah, I was sitting at lunch one time with a friend of mine and um, just casual conversation. And what was, oh, I sang that song from Moana, you know, it calls me, you know, yeah. talking about the ocean yes. or whatever. And I was like, oh, you guys, does the ocean call you? And my friend who was there, he's like, I've actually never been to the ocean. And I was like, what? How old are you? Or what? What do you mean you've never been to the ocean in your life before? And he was like, I've just never, ever been to it. And I was like, you've got to be kidding. So it was like February, by the way. And I called Jenny right there at lunch. And I was like, Jenny, uh, Sean's never been to the ocean before. May I take him this weekend? We'll just leave on Friday. I'll be back on Sunday. Like I only need to drive him 10 hours to the sea. Let him see it. And then we will And I'm come dying back. to know, like, what was that moment like? That's what like, I want to know when we'll you get out about, of the car. Yeah, well, think about that. If someone were to see the ocean, like they've seen pictures of it, they've read about it or whatever, they've seen it in movies, but to experience it for their very first time, like where it was just like, it, you, you can't talk about it in words or see it in pictures. It has to be experienced. And, and then now, if I say that word ocean or sea to him, it means something entirely new and different. It's like, yeah. oh, I've experienced that before and now all of a sudden he's a, a, a he's a different person right like yeah, a new part of him like opened up filling the sand in between your toes watching a tide actually come in and go out and like experiencing the rhythm of it right and hearing the like birds and feeling ocean spray like you know there's just things that if you've experienced it you know it Right. And I think that's really powerful with all three of these together, because I like just like creation, the, this world is not beautiful unless it has all of its rhythms and patterns and light and life and every and everything that you see. Yeah. And and you would not experience the beauty and wonder and majesty of Jesus if if, if it was only one sided. Yes. That's you know? so true. In fact, it's almost like it could be detrimental in some ways if I was just like, he's only structure. He's only the Well, and law that's what happened me. to the Pharisees. Right, right. Because they were so set on that Jesus that it was hard for them to experience any other part of his character. Right, right. Which I think is important. And I love, one of the things that I love and that we want to talk about a little bit has to do with our next section that we want to jump into, which David named. Surprise. Riding piggyback, you guys, that's such It's one awesome. of our favorite stories, and it's kind of like the story with your friend um, of someone taking you to a place you could never get to on your own. And that is something um, that Jesus will do for us. But one of our favorite stories about it is from a man named Charles Blondin, and it has to do with his manager, Harry Colcord. And it's one of my favorite stories. Charles was a tightrope walker. 
And he loved to cross Niagara Falls. He would go from the United States side over to the Canada side and back again. And he did it hundreds of times. And one of the times he did it, he actually pushed a wheelbarrow over. And then he asked the people on that side, do you think I am a good tightrope walker? And they were like, yes. And he was like, am I the best tightrope walker in the world? And they were like, yes. And then he was like, okay, who will get in the wheelbarrow? And then all of a sudden everyone was like, no, thank you. <laughs> I do not want to do that. But he must have thought about it over and over again because eventually one day he stood on the one side of the tightrope and he had talked his manager, Harry, into riding on his back over to the other side. And when you think about it, I mean, that tightrope is strung clear across both those sides. There's guy lines that are holding it down except for for 50 feet in the middle where there was nowhere to anchor that part of the rope. If you've ever been to Niagara Falls, you know there's a mist that is constantly coming off of it and wind. It's There's a wind that blows over the top of the falls. And so it's not like it's just this calm, clear day. And he's gonna walk across and like, who's brave enough to get on his back? Yeah. But Harry climbs on and they start crossing this tightrope. And as they get to that part that's gonna be the 50 feet where there's no guy lines holding on, um, Charles says to Harry, Harry, from this moment forward, you are no longer Harry. You are blonded. If I sway, you sway with me. Do not try to do any balancing on your own or we will both fall to our deaths. Can you imagine? I hate heights, so I hate I know, story. and can you imagine just being like, <laughs> I have to be one with you for the next 50 feet. I can't sway, I can't balance, I, can't, I just have to be one mm -hmm. with you. And um, they walked across and there was one guy line that broke on their way across, which tells you how like moving Intense. Yeah, that, yeah. Um, tightrope was, but they made it all the way across. And the thing I love about this story is Blondin took Harry to a place he could never have gotten to on his own. Mm. He did not know how to walk a tightrope. He was not skilled in the art of that. That Charles did for Harry what Harry could not do on his own. And it, it makes me think about Jesus and our relationship with him and our relationship with grace also, that our job, our role is to cling to him, to hold on to him with all of our might, might, mind, and strength, right? To be one with him. His job is to take us to the places that we could never get to on our own, just like you did for your friend, yeah. allow us to experience that. And, and sometimes it's taking us to places we could never get to on our own, but sometimes it's helping us become something we could never become on our own. I love in verse 12 when it says, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And I love the thought of that because our job, we have two. One is to receive him, and the second one is to believe him. That's yeah. our jobs. And um, I love if you study that word receive, it can mean teachable. Mm. Don't you love the thought of that, of like 
That is what Harry had to become. He could not be the boss. He was the manager. Yeah. But in that moment, he had to become teachable. He had to be willing to do whatever Charles said if he wanted to get to the place he couldn't get to on his own. And so I love that part of receiving is being teachable, is being willing to like allow him to work in us. Well, and I, I think it's like, there's a really tragic verse right before where, you know, you've in, been introduced to him as the fullness of creation, the fullness of possibility and potential, the fullness of beauty and variety and thrill, you know? And, and then in verse 11, it says, he came unto his own, the word, the life, the light came into this world and his own received him not. Like, I don't want any of what you have to offer. Yeah. But then 12 is, you know, that invitation that, but as many as received him could have word, light, and life yes. brought into their life into whatever degree they receive him, right? There's like, whatever degree I trust him, he can take me. Yes. You know, because the second I say like, turn back, turn back, turn back, he, he will, right? Yeah. But it's just like, but, you know, if you will. Yes. You, I'm offering all. Yeah, and if you want to receive all, then cling to me with all of your might, might, mind, and strength. That's all you have to do. Yeah. And then he's like, I will do the rest. And I love in verse 16 when he talks about, because he's like, I'm going to give you a fullness, like a fullness of this life, this mortal experience. I'm going to allow you to have a fullness. And then it's not going to end here. When you get to heaven, also a fullness there, like everything you could imagine and more and um but it's going to come grace for grace like yeah. you're going to learn that um i i love that thought of like learning jesus mm. where it's just going to be like a little bit at a time and maybe you grew up in a story where all you were taught about jesus was the word right maybe maybe you grew up in a really strict an unyielding understanding of who Jesus was. And I love the thought that he's like, oh, that's okay. Because now I, you, I will introduce you to this, zebras and peonies mm. and you know all of these things. As long as we're willing to continue to let him in, he will continue to delight us. Yeah. And here in the journal, you know, I think it'd be awesome to spend some time, like even defining also that word receive, like what would that look like in my life to, mm. you know, receive him. And, and we, and we get, we're taught that throughout scripture, you know, and we're taught it. And, and if we would see it in that context, in that light, I was like, oh, repentance is a way to receive him. Belief is a way to receive him. Trust is a way to receive him. Listening to him is a way to receive him. Yeah. Like, I, and, I think and there's it's... places where I can meet him. Right, right. right. Um, the temple, church, seminary, these are pl places I can guarantee I will be introduced to him over and over again through my life. And I will grow grace for grace every time I go. Opening up your scriptures is like, Oh, an invitation for him to come to in. come in. And I love defining covenants, you know, um, in that in that same way also, right? Yeah. That then entering into covenant relationship is actually a way of saying, I would like to receive more of his goodness, grace, and power into my life. So we can also receive him in differing degrees, 
you know, as well. Yeah. And I, this is this is so cool because you kind of get introduced to like, here's the whole picture, you know, of you can receive him even up to a fullness. And then we actually get to watch it with people. Yes. Like then we're introduced to people who are meeting Jesus for their very first time. Which I love because I think um, when you go back to your friend and the ocean, he probably came home and then was like, I got to take my wife there and I want to take my kids there. And there's something about experiencing something that you've never experienced before that like it changes you, but it also like causes you to want to say, I, I want to share this with someone else. Yeah. Like, I want you think of the people who you love the most or you're the most invested in or, you know, people who you know, and you're like, ah, oh, I want to show you this, yeah, you know, yeah, whatever it is. And it's cool because like some of these people that we look at, you're like John or Peter or Andrew or someone like that. And you kind of think to yourself, wow, you're like amazed at who they are. And it's fun to start in chapter one and say like, yeah, they are that way. They're evidence of chapter 12. They received him and became yeah, something, 12. right? Yeah. They're evidence of that. Um, what did I say? Chapter. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe chapter 12. We don't know. That could be a hint, <laughs> y'all, to the future, right? They're evidence of that. But it's neat to see them on day one. Yes. Like the first grace, you know, this first yes. introduction. And so it kind of starts out the story in chapter one um, in 37. And let's just talk for a minute about why you titled this section. Oh, this. when Jesus went viral? Because mm -hmm. um, he's about to. Watch. It's so fun to see how people... Um, meet him, experiencing him, and then almost instinctively they want to share it with somebody else. Like it's neat to see that like people are like, it's like a movie when you watch it and you're yeah. like, that was so good. <laughs> and, and your inclination is to text your friend and yeah. say like, have you seen you this yet? See you this. totally should see this. Yeah. And you watch that happen um, with these people here. And we're introduced to John the Baptist in this John chapter one, and he is preaching of Jesus and he is telling everybody, you know, someone's, and coming. someone's coming. You are going to just, you can't even wait. Like if, if you think whatever we've been talking about is good, man, I'd, I wouldn't even feel comfortable buckling his shoes. That's how good he is. Y'all just wait. And so like yeah. people have just anticipating. And then one day John is there and he sees Jesus and he stops everything. And this is in 36. He says, behold, you know, the lamb of God. He's, that word is so awesome. He's like, here he is, everyone. And don't just look at him. Behold him. And it's know? so fun because he's been talking about him for so long that it's like that moment where he's like, okay, this thing I've been talking to you about for so long, it's here. Like this, here it is. This is that moment. And you just wish you were in that crowd in that moment when everyone just like turned and was like, okay, who, who is this? Yeah. You know? And then in 37, it says two disciples heard him speak um, and they followed Jesus, you know? Um, they were like, I'm so intrigued why he's so into him. And so they start like following him, like legit down the path, you know, like he's walking and they're following him. And 38 is so funny because Jesus turns and he asks them a question we talked about in the introduction lesson. And if you didn't watch that lesson, this is a good spot to kind of jump into it. Jesus asks them this question, what seek ye? Which is a really powerful question to ask at the beginning of a, of a journey, a spiritual mm. journey. You know, day one meeting Jesus, like he asks them, this important question, like, what are you looking for? Yeah, what do you want? Yeah, what do you actually want? Which I love that thought. Like, you could almost pause with who you are studying with and just think about that for a minute. It's January 2023. Think about your circumstances. Think about the particulars 
of your life right now. Think about your needs and your hopes and your dreams and to just ask yourself, okay, what do you want? Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah. And then invite Jesus to be part of whatever that is. And that's what's about to happen right now when he's like, what do you want? Wouldn't you love if Jesus just entered your prayers one night and he was like, okay, what do you want? Yeah. And I think then he'd go one step deeper and be like, but what do you really want? You know, what's your soul actually longing for? What's it actually in need of, you know? And bless their hearts in 38. I love that they answer and they say, well, um, (laughs) so where, where dwellest thou? Like, so where do you live, you know? And I know they went to bed that night and sat in their bed and were like, idiot. Like, what? You had one chance? And you asked, where do you live? You know? But then I read it and I think maybe maybe what that question really means is like, like, okay, what are you all about? What's yeah, your story? You What's, what, why is John so into you? I, I need to know. And in 39, these three words is what we named this entire lesson. I love that Jesus says three words, come and see, right? That... He, that whole idea of grace for grace, it wasn't like, he didn't say, receive my fullness. Yes. You know, those weren't the three words. <laughs> well, and he also but, didn't say this. Oh, I'm Jesus from Nazareth. I am a carpenter by trade. I was born in Bethlehem. My p- parents were Mary and Joseph. I have come to do da-da-da-da. He didn't like list out his business card. Yeah. He didn't even say his name. Right. Just come and see. Yeah. He was like, you come experience this. For a minute. And this is awesome because 39, what happens is they came and saw um, where he dwelt and abode with him that day for it was about the 10th hour, which means then they changed their plans for the day. What they experienced there was like, okay, I'm in. What's the next step? What else can you teach me? What yeah. else, you know? And then this is awesome because one of those two, his name was Andrew. We find out in verse 40 and he's Simon Peter's brother. And so he runs and 41, he says, he first finds his own brother, Simon. It's like the next day. He's like, I gotta go find, I gotta go tell him. And he says, we found the Messiah, which is interpreted Christ. And 42, I love this line so much. It's so good. And he brought him to Jesus. And I, I'm at, he's just like, just come and see for yourself. Come here. And he brings him yes. to Jesus. And then you get Peter's interaction with him. And he gets there and, and Jesus is like, hi, you're Simon, son of Jonah, huh? You're Jonah's kid, aren't you? And he's just like, yeah. And then he's just like, you will be called Cephas from now on, <laughs> which means the rock. Don't you love that? It's so cute. He gives him a nickname on day one. He was like, I'm gonna call you the rock from now on. And he was like, whoa. So then like, you see how it just keeps going from person to person. This is what I mean. Jesus went viral. Like people just keep telling everyone about him. And then you get Philip in the next verse and, and he goes and he meets Jesus. And then Philip has to go find his friend in 45, whose name is Nathaniel. And he goes to Nathaniel and he's like, we found him. The one that Moses and Jeremiah and Isaiah and everybody, like all the, the fulfillment of all those prophecies, we, you know, we found him. Here he is. And, and this is what just happens throughout the chapter. Is it just someone meets him and then moves on? I love this part in, um, Philip and Nathaniel's conversation, because Nathaniel asked that question we talked about last week where he's like, can any good thing come from Nazareth? And then Philip says to him, come and see. And he gives him that same invitation. And I really love, obviously he's learned that from Jesus. Maybe that's been passed down also, but. But, or this, or he didn't even have words big enough to describe what he was experiencing. Like, do you Mm, know that moment mm -hmm. when your mind is like, I don't even have words to tell you what is happening in my life. The easiest is going to be 
for you to just experience it yourself. True, because like my friend at the ocean, if he was just like, what's so good about the ocean? I would be yeah. like, I, I can't even, like it's so dumb. I can't yeah. even describe it to you. You really have to get in the car. Yeah. Come and see. Yeah, you have to come and see. Right? You just and have then, to experience it for yourself. And I love the thought of that. There's two things that I love from this part. And the first one is the fact that when he said, come and see, they could have been like, that's weird. Uh, um, we're not coming to your house. We just met you. Yeah. Like when do you go to someone's house when you just met him? Or they could have been like, oh, we don't have time today, but what are you doing on Monday? Yeah. You know, there was like, there was an intrigue that was deep enough that they were willing to set aside anything that would prevent them from getting to know him better. Mm. And do I do that? Yeah. You know, am I, am I that invested in knowing who he is that I would set aside anything else? And, and the fact that they were like, I'm going to give him a whole day. Like, I'm not just going to go and see and be like, well, it's nice to meet you. And we should do lunch sometime. Yeah. But they were like, I am invested enough in what John has said about you to actually really want to discover who you are. Yeah. And what you bring to the table, you know? And yeah. I, yeah. I love like when you talk about that word receive to those who will receive him. I think that's what it's talking about is, are you willing to set aside time? Are you willing to invest in the relationship? Because that's when miraculous things are going to start to occur. And I love um, the thought of that. And then that thought of like, it, it's too good for me alone. I want to bring in everyone I know to have that personal experience. And and it makes me think to myself, how do we help create personal experiences for people who we love, for people who we want to introduce to his story? Like, what does that actually look like? Yeah, and, and I, I love going back to that verse 12 again. There is an invitation or there's, a, there's something in there that's like, I don't know what to call it, but it starts off by saying, as many as received him to them gave. Like there was like this like thought in the beginning, permission in the beginning that says, there's no quota. Like you won't, like it doesn't get filled up. As yeah. many as want to receive him. Can. Can. Yeah. You know, so actually you can go get whoever you want. And something that I think is really neat about this chapter, and before we like get to the end, in our in our fourth section here, there's this idea where um, we called it pictures of, nope, that's when Jesus went viral. That was so fun. Um, pictures of, of Jesus, because I think it's fun that if you go to like a place, a website or a place that sells pictures, there's so many different kinds. Mm. And I'm going to pick one that I'm super drawn to. And like the one that you have hanging in your house, like I might not necessarily like be super drawn to that one yeah. because I'm just like, oh, I'm not actually like, I don't know. There's something about it that's just not, I don't vibe really well with that one. Um, but there is one that we like, oh, I, I really, really love that. Yes. You know? And it's almost that initial, like, some, whatever that, like we were talking about at the beginning, that draws you to him. And yes. it's fun in this chapter to see how many different words and names and titles of Jesus that there actually are. Which I love like, because, yeah, they've all been waiting for this person to come, yeah. but everyone's need is so different. And, and everybody, like what they're looking for or what their want is, comes from a different place. And I love that he can be the answer 
to all of them. Right. Whatever that is. So our word of the week this week is actually the word. (laughs) (laughs) The word is the word. Yeah, which is actually super cool in so many um, different ways. So... Um, it comes out of that very first verse, right? right? At the very, in the beginning was the word. And then if you have this poster of um, the Jesus print, it's going to just go right here. Just right next to firstborn is that idea of the word. Um, and then in the journal, there's this chance spot every week um, to study these um, names, these names that are in there. And um, you'll see on the word a week poster, like some of that, that Greek word, the word um, could be translated as divine expression. It could be translated as the cause of something happening, um, a doctrine or discourse or a particular scripture. I love this one, um, that it could be the reason um, for something um, or the messenger or a message that's being spoken. I also love that when you say word, you almost have a chance to pick any word. Mm. You know, if like he's the word, my next question really is going to be like, which one? Yes. There are millions of words, words mm-hmm. or there's millions of expressions of, or ways to describe, you know, what he's like. Yeah. So one thing that might be cool in this chapter is to just pick a word, you know, like give people some free time and say like, okay, pick a divine expression of who he is, you know, and it might be a word that like surprises you, you know, in, in here where you know, you would just like someone might pick, like someone might pick life or light or yeah, something. They, the ones that seem so easy. Or you might pick um, with. That's one that like I circled mm-hmm. this morning as I was studying. Like that's a divine expression of Jesus that he's with, you know, because it's yeah. like he's together. He's here. We're companions, you know, in this or whatever. Yeah. Um, um, I love also when it talks about he was in the beginning. That mm. we, we know he was, but also he is. Like he, he is present now and he will be are all words that would describe who Jesus is, which I love. Yeah. And there's so many, I mean, this could be and really, you love really that fun. He's beginning you love in the part where it talks about with him was not anything made that was made. Like he's a maker. He's a creator. Right. You know, there's so many words. Fullness, grace. I actually love these two words too, or two words that like might be, you know, I like the word for. You know, where you're just like the idea of like, he's for me. And I also really love the word and, you know, where it's like, that is actually a, it's an expression of what he's like. I have that ampersand thing, the and sign hanging up in the office where I work, because that is one of my favorite things about Jesus is you could just put, um, it's so cute when we go visit Kingston, he's my little grandson who um, is struggling with learning how to talk. So he just knows a few words. And sometimes we'll go there and uh, and I'll get to the house and I'll be like, I'm coming to your house. And he'll say, and, and Papa's coming. And, and Mimi will come too. And, and I just <laughs> love when Eddie always puts his finger up like that, that he's like, and, and like, there's no end to the goodness mm. that is coming. Or the surprises. It's like that word or, yeah. and makes you think about. So anyways, awesome chance to like really let people like loose in that and understanding like, oh, he's the word, like which one. You also have these specific ones that um, each yeah, of Yeah, what they recognize. It's so fun people. when people describe, well, who, you are not going to believe who I found. I found the Lamb of God. And Andrew is like, you're not going to believe who I found. I found the Messiah. And Philip is like, 
I found the one Moses prophesied about. And Nathaniel is going to say, I know who this is. He's the son of God. And, the, and you're like, yes. To all right? of them. Yeah, he is. He's all those things. He is so big. He's all those things. And as we think about this messenger moment and, and go through this part, it reminds me of something that happened in my life many years ago. I, um, my dad got called as a mission president to California and I was a senior at the time and I worked at this yogurt place called Penguins, frozen yogurt. And the, our manager was someone who um, was religious in his soul, but didn't have religion mm. yet. And we would sit when we cleaned up the dishes at the end of the day, and we would talk about Jesus all the time. And so one day he said to me, I, I want to go to your church and I want to experience your church. And I was like, okay. And I was like 16 and this man was old and married and he was going to bring his wife. And I told my dad and we brought him to our church. And when he left, he said this to me, um, so weird that you talk about Jesus so much, but I didn't hear him mentioned in your church. Hmm. And uh, like, I tried to think back over all the lessons. And then I was like, that really is so interesting. Nobody taught about Jesus today. And when it happened, I was 16 at the time. I made a commitment in that moment that I would never teach any lesson ever or speak ever without saying the name of Jesus in the talk. Like I just committed at the age of 16 that I was going to make sure nobody ever came to church and missed Jesus in the message that we were giving there. And I think when you look at this and, and they were like, I mean, he's the Lamb of God. He's the Messiah. He's the one Moses prophesied. He's the Son of God. We see him in words like with, for, is, and. Like Jesus is everywhere. He's everywhere. But I think one of the things is we talk about how do you create a personal experience for someone is to make sure we're actually talking about him. Mm. You know, that's yeah. what they did. Yeah. That's why Jesus went viral in John 1 is because people were actually talking about him. And does it make you want to like think back over your last 24 hours or over your last three days or look at the last talk you gave in church and just see, was his name mentioned anywhere? Because in John 1, his name is everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. And it's cool that just like the message that each of them shared was him, him, yes. him, him in their own unique way. Yeah. But it was still him. And it's funny that you're talking about that because I was like, oh, that's too bad because the opposite of never mentioning him would be to gather all four of these friends together in the same Sunday school class. And then like, hey, talk about him as Lamb of God. Yeah. And will you talk about him as Messiah? And will you, and then all of a sudden now you're beginning to experience him in yes. a greater measure because you're getting other people's perspectives and experiences yep. with him, which is really how each of these people met Jesus. Every single one of them met him because someone else introduced yes, him. Them, him to them. Right. And I, and I love the thought of, as we get into this last story, which is going to be our very favorite part of this lesson, uh, it's what we like to call fig tree moments. Um, I love that 
everyone else we get we see them bring them bring them i love that they bring them to him but in one of the introductions we actually get to see a little bit more intimate part of the story yeah and i love it because i think it's it's something we each experience if we know to be watching for it so this is this is Nathaniel's story. So you remember Philip went and goes to Nathaniel and he just says, uh, we found him who Moses wrote about and, and he did right. And then he tells him his name. He's like, his name is Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And and you remember, like his response is like, what? Now to us, you have to remember that the name Jesus means something to us. But back in those times, it was just a normal, regular name. Like And a lot of people were named had it. that right. name. It was like Jeff. You know, or something like that. And so when he was just like, we found him. And, and Philip would have been, I mean, Nathaniel would be like, what's his name? And he's like, Jeff. And he's like, Jeff? <laughs> you know, he's like from Modesta or, you know, whatever. You're just like, it's like, what? It's so normal. It's so like random. Like what he works at the, at the carpenter shop and you're like, what? Like, you're telling me like the Torah scrolls, the fulfillment of them is Jeff at the carpenter shop, you know? And he, that's when he just says, I love it because... There's all these reasons why I shouldn't believe. And it's cool that, that Philip goes back to, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. There's lots of reasons. But so just come and see, come and experience it for yourself yeah. is his invitation. So he comes, he says, and right when he comes in 47, Jesus sees him and he says in 47, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. Or in other words, like there is not a bad bone in your body. You have such a heart of gold. And he's so thrown off and he's just like, whoa, how do you know me? Verse 48. He's like, I, like, have we met? Like that you're so, wow, you're so nice. You know, I'm trying to be that. And like, uh, wow, you know, and then Jesus says something interesting in 48. He says, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Now, first of all, you should know there are exactly 785,000 fig trees in Israel. Like there are so many. It's not, it's a normal common tree that you could find in any park or and any you, yard. And if or... there's one there, there's a hundred yeah. in that same place. Plus Israel is so hot. It is so hot that the odds that you would be found under a tree in Israel anywhere is like 99% right. of people are going to be under trees. And then there's a really high chance it'll be a fig tree because they're everywhere. Yeah. So it seems like it's just this normal, like whatever. And your response to that should have been in 48, when he's like, I saw you under the fig tree. It would have been like, cool, you know? But instead in 49, he says back, Rabbi, thou art the son of God, the king of Israel. You're my king. You're, which is an over-exaggerated response to, I saw you under the fig tree, by the way. Like, all of a sudden that went from like <laughs> level zero to a hundred, like over, like in between these two and verses. And then you're like, what happened under the fig tree? Right. Which when we read this story, that is exactly what we think is a fig tree moment. And this is your worksheet for the week that you can download and use. When we ask that, what is your fig tree moment? There's something that must have happened under that fig tree that only Nathaniel and God knew about. That was a personal experience that he had had with God under that fig tree. Was it an answered prayer? Was it forgiveness? 
Was it a tender mercy? Was it unexpected comfort? What We don't know. We don't know. They don't tell us in this book, and that makes me mad at John, because you left out the best part, you know? Yeah, but he's but, being so nice to Nathaniel to be like, like Let him have his own moment or whatever. But he experienced something under that fig tree. And so when you ask this question, what is your fig tree moment? It's, it's a question that's asking, like, when have, when have you known that God's been aware of you? When have you had Personally, a personal like connection? Intimately. Yeah. Like I, I love him. the thought of this is just saying to someone, is there a moment in your life that only you and God would know about? Yeah. Uh, that could be sacred or intimate or personal, but just a moment of connection that you're like, I I know that was God. And sometimes when I teach this to my seminary kids, I will um, I will ask them that and tell them, I'm not going to have you share. Like, it's okay to sometimes ask a question and let yeah. them write about it or think about it or process it and, and give them permission to go to those deep spaces by saying, I'm not going to ask you to share this. Yeah. But I do want you to think about it for a minute because I think sometimes you have moments like that where you're like, in that moment, would you have ever doubted God knew you Yeah. or that he loved you or that he was aware of your circumstance? You know, those are important moments to hold on to. Even if you never speak them out loud, those are important moments to keep in your heart, I feel like. Yeah. And I think I would say to someone if they were like, you know, and maybe they wouldn't express this, you know, that like, well, I don't think I've ever had one before, I, I think this is a great chapter to teach someone like, well, you can anticipate them happening. And let me teach you something about anticipating it. Number one, this came from a boy, you know, who said, no, there's no way. Like he was just bad talking yeah. Jesus's hometown one verse before, you know? <laughs> so it's just kind of like, listen, even if you don't quite yet be- believe or whatever, they can still happen. That's number one. And number two is it happened under a fig tree. And they're everywhere and they're so common. And ordinary. And ordinary. And and God comes, we should know that. We should anticipate that he comes in temples and he comes in ordinance moments, you know, and he comes in prayer and those, but he also comes in the driving to school and doing homework and in line at the grocery store, you know, or, yeah. you know, whatever it might be that like you can expect him to come into your story, let you know, like, hey, I see you. I see what you're trying to do. I see your heart Yeah. in under fig trees, like the ordinary, regular places. And I love the thought of sitting down and, and just allowing people to write that moment down, whatever that moment is for them. What, where have you experienced that personal encounter with the Lord? And, you know, just write it and they can take it home and put it somewhere and save it. Um, Hopefully you know about our journals this year, that there is a sheet every week um, that you have permission to print off for your whole class that you're teaching or the group that you're studying with. Um, Or um, Grace and I are both using them in our seminary classes and my seminary kids are so happy about them. They just love when I pull out the sheet. They're like, oh, we love these. Um, That We want you to be able to have an opportunity to have resources to help make these scripture stories become more personal and you can write them down and you, they become tangible, tangible. We're such visual learners. And this is one of those, um, 
times where either you have them in your journal because you want to keep them forever, um, or maybe you're downloading them there on the app or you'll find them in the newsletter. But we just love this thought of being able to sit in this for a minute and think about it and ponder what is your testimony of him. I love that you chose the word with, mm. with you. What is your testimony of that? Yeah. And taking yeah. a second to actually just write it down. Right. Yeah. Now this, the question in the journal will end with the end of the chapter because it ends like super, it, it almost ends with an ampersand. Yes. You know, yes. is how it ends because the question here in the journal is what are some of the great things? Well, that and you got to tell that part of the story. Right, right. Because it is so good it's because how... he comes and he's like, you are the son of God. Um, you are the king of Israel. Like it, it's what David said. He went from zero to a hundred in like one second. And I love when Jesus says to him, because I saw you under the fig tree, you believe. And then I love when he's like, oh, Nathaniel, you are going to see greater things than this, than this moment. Like your life is going to be filled up. He tells him with like angels and heaven and miracles. That's what happens when you enter into relationship with me. Yeah, he's like, I have that fullness to offer. And you can receive it in any degree that you would like. Yeah. And and you can't even imagine what your days... This is chapter one, my yes. friend. You can't even <laughs> imagine the things that are going to happen when you bring me into your story. You know, so come and see. Like, begin yeah. to begin to receive me. Begin to learn about who I am and, and start to, to allow me to come yep. into. And if you haven't had a fig tree moment yet, um, I just, I so bad want to say, just go find your fig tree. Just go find your sacred place, your quiet, ordinary place and invite him in to your story. Why not? Yeah. I love that you just said that, by the way, because it made me think of the sacred grove. You know, and it's interesting when we were there a couple summers ago that I was like, oh, it's so funny. We called this the sacred grove and Joseph called it backyard. Yes. But like, because God came into it is what made it sacred. And that's just what any of us can anticipate and expect with him is that he'll come and he'll come with, with miracles and he'll come with greater things um, than these. Yep. So, so good. See you hey, next week. See ya. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.